0: You're listening to audio from The Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about The Village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com.
1: Hi, everybody. It's good to see you all. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, we are in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Give you a minute to get there in your Bibles, and we also have it up here on the screens. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you're doing, that you do so more we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives us his Holy Spirit. or Who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that, indeed, is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands, as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. This is the word of the Lord.
0: You guys can be seated. Good morning. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors that is not my son. Um, Just want to give you a real quick. Next week after gathering, uh, there is a teaching roundtable interest huddle. And you might be like, wow, I've got to sign up for that. Um, What that is, in in 2021, one of the ways that, that I want to contribute and that we want to contribute is by... We know that many of you teach God's Word, and you might do that as a community group leader. You might do that a Bible study leader on campus somewhere, in, in school. You might do that leading Bible studies around here. You might do that preaching, teaching back there in, in Cable. Whatever the case, we want to continue to grow as teachers of God's Word. And so if you have a desire to, to, to kind of grow in that in the coming year, it won't be crazy. It will be maybe like a monthly huddle after gathering, we look at one topic and we kind of work through it and grow together. If that sounds remotely appealing to you, then hang out after gathering next week in the huddle room and we'll chat for a few minutes and just kind of set up and kick around what that might look like in the coming year. Sound all right? Okay. I'll expect you there then. Uh, Gosh, I have 90 minutes to get through and I only have 75 minutes to get through it, so... um, 503 years ago, on October 31st, 1517, a an, an obs- then-obscure German professor of theology and Augustinian monk by the name of Martin Luther, he, he nailed 95 statements to the door of, of a church in Wittenberg, Germany. And he did that to pick a fight. Not because he was a contentious man, so to speak, but because of his conviction for the purity of the church. Because of his conviction for the purity of God's church to be established on God's word alone and not the teaching of any man. And that, that, uh, that the church of God would be established in salvation, not by the merit of, of the work of any hands, not by the works that we can do, but on the merit of faith in Christ alone. Kind of a big deal. There's a little bit of information out there in the world if you desire to learn more about that. Well, Luther's fight, uh, his his fight was with the Roman Catholic Church, the most powerful institution of the day, uh, led by the most powerful man of the day, the Pope. And he was not a fan of these 95 theses that he put on the wall. He was not a fan of Martin Luther. And so this, this fight was inflamed between Luther and, and the church and, and many others who began to follow in Luther's footsteps. But, but this fight was inflamed by a man named Johann Tetzel. And Johann Tetzel was many things. He was the adversary of, of Martin Luther. And, and Tetzel was helping the Roman Catholic Church sell what, what are called indulgences. You may have heard of these. Uh, the word indulgence essentially just means uh, permit. Permit. It's a permit, but the way they were doing this was it was like a get-out-of-jail-free card, and what this meant was it would reduce the punishment for for your loved ones, if you bought one of these permits or indulgences, for, for your loved one who didn't quite have enough righteousness to get into heaven immediately, but were hanging out in limbo in purgatory. Right? That's what they taught. That is not what we teach, because that's not what the Bible teaches, but that's what they were teaching. And, and this guy, Johann Tetzel, he he was like a marketing master and he was he was helping them. He was making a bunch of money for the church. And so he would go into towns and, and he would he would through emotional appeal try to tell people, gosh, your loved ones are suffering. And, and if you just pay, if you just buy one of these, then then it will help give merit to your loved ones so that they won't, they won't be in purgatory for as long paying penance for their sins. And he, and he was like a, an advertising genius. He said, uh, among many other things, as soon a coin in the bowl rings, a soul from purgatory springs. He probably sang it, right? I think he also said, I'm not sure, every time a bell rings an angel gets its wings, but that could have been someone else, right? So, so the idea was some saints were so good now when the Bible talks about saints it's those who are in Christ right but but some who who uh, s- some saints were so good that their righteousness exceeded God's requirement for entrance into eternal life and forgiveness of sins little preface that's that's not true okay cover to cover that is not a thing all right you can't be good enough but what they what they did was they 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 coined this a treasury of merit and so what it was was you would pay the church would give you a an indulgence slip, a permit, and and on behalf of your loved one, your loved one would get the righteousness surplus of those really, really good people, and it, okay so Luther was struggling with the idea of, of how to please God in in general, and, and at this time his, his theology was de- his theology was developing, and he stumbled upon the writing of. Augustine, Saint Augustine of Hippo right in the fourth century this dude wrote works that pointed us back to the scriptures and and, and today we still I, I read the writings of Augustine many uh, of us read the writings of Augustine he, he helped form um, he helped re Form the way that we thought about God back to the way that the scripture sees that. So, so what Luther stumbled upon was this idea that salvation could not be earned, that it could not be bought from a, from a street performer, that it could not be bought from the church, but it was by God's grace alone. Salvation was by God's grace alone. And, and kind of the pillars that he would grow to, to build the church upon would be that, that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ Alone, according to the scriptures alone, for God's glory alone. Man, and, and those tenets are not just Luther's tenets, but those are, are tenets that, that this book screams. Right? That movement that that he uh, began to build and, and others followed was the, the Protestant Reformation. Now here's the thing. Most People in this room believe those teachings to be true. But but we often miss between our, our belief or our theology, our understanding of God, what we hold dear about God, and the way that we live it out. See, that's where the disconnect comes in. So because, because it's all about Jesus, we get to get to work. We get to do good works, joining the Spirit to live for God's glory in the way that we walk with Jesus, the way we, that we live this thing out, right? Faith informs our works. What we believe shapes the way that we live. James, the half-brother of Jesus, leading the church in Jerusalem, he wrote the, the book of James towards the end of your Bible. Uh, he, he says it this way, but, some, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. See, this has been a tension since the first century. The idea of faith and works. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. As if they're two separate things. Show me your faith apart from by my works. So what we, what we see here is that faith and works, they don't compete. They, they complement. Faith and works don't compete. We're saved by faith alone. And because of that... It changes the way that our lives, look, they, they don't compete, they complement like, like a hat and gloves in the winter months in Ohio, like, like, a, like dark roast Ethiopian coffee and boatloads of French vanilla creamer. They just, they complement one another, right? It, it's not either or, it's, it's both and. So Martin Luther would go on to say, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. I mean, that's the essence of Paul's pen and the essence of Paul's heart today as he speaks to to the Thessalonians and he tells them how they ought to live in light of who Christ is, right? The burden of this text and the burden of this sermon today is this, the way we walk with Jesus should please God more and more by the way we live and love. The way we walk with Jesus, that is the way that we live this thing out, here and now should please God more and more by the way we live in love. And so we're journeying on 1st Thessalonians living now with future hope. Paul's writing to these people. He went into town the Thessalonica, he preached the gospel. He's there for about a month. Many Jews and many Gentiles responded to the gospel. They believed, they trusted Jesus. This is about 18 months later, he's writing this letter to them. And up to this point, he's been encouraging them and now he begins to continue to encourage them but he he begins to point number one of three looks like this the will of God instructs how we walk real simply the will of God instructs how we walk let me read first Thessalonians chapter four verses one two and the first part of three finally but this is preacher finally so he's not really even close to done (laughs) he's like I don't know why he says that finally uh the last thing all right and then he goes on then, brothers, we ask and we urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. All right, just real quick, sanctification, you might say, what is that word, Couple important words. Justification, that is what justifies us before God. And is that all the good works that we do? No. It's faith alone in Christ alone. That's what justifies us that we can stand before Holy God and not be consumed, but we can be welcomed as sons and daughters. But when we are justified, the work of the Spirit and Christ's work in us is that we are sanctified. That means that we are conformed to the image of Jesus over the life that we have. On this earth, and so uh, one commentator says it this way: whether in the ancient world or today, the chief end of humanity has often been to take pleasure in this life. Maybe that's where you're hanging out today. In contrast, this passage begins by affirming just the opposite: that humanity's chief goal ought to be to take pleasure in pleasing God. And it's it's texts like this that would go on. To give us this confession, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So how we walk, and I don't mean our gate, right? I mean how we live there with outsiders and neighbors, it matters. And, And the reason why I set this up around faith and works is because for us, sometimes it's difficult when someone says, bro, like you shouldn't be doing that. And he's like, hey, like... Don't tell me how to live like I'm... You shouldn't be doing that. And that's what we see. So he says, you ought to walk differently. It's like a a command. You ought to walk differently. These are the instructions that we gave you. These are the rules that we gave you, is what Paul says. And you're like, wait, wait, I I don't know. And then he goes on, he says, this is the will of God that you be sanctified. That you be set apart for God's glory and for, for God's holiness, Right? So the gospel is news. When we talk about the gospel, we're a gospel-formed community. That is not about instruction. That is about news. The gospel is news. It is not instruction. But it's news of a king and a kingdom. And, And there is a way in which that kingdom flourishes. As he invites us in by the news of of, of his kingdom, as he invites us in, there is a way that that kingdom flourishes that is God's design for his people. So we get to walk differently. The, the will of God is that we would, uh, it, it instructs how we walk. God's kingdom isn't one that's just made of rules. And so, so maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking that all of this stuff in Christ, the Bible, being a part of the church, it's just about keeping all the rules. It's never about keeping all the rules. In fact, the reason why God gave us rules was to show us what good was, to show us what love was, and to show us that we couldn't do good on our own. That that we're rule breakers, and we're in need of rescue, the rescue of a Savior who laid down his life, that that we might join him in the new life he offers us. So, so God is glorified best when his people, right? We see this in the Old Testament and in Israel and the New Testament. The church in this room today, God is glorified best when we walk as he has called us to love. And there are no limitations on this. There's not parts of your life that you get to compartmentalize. There's not slivers. It's not like uh, my, my Christian life is a sliver of the pie, And then I have like my work life and then I have, you know, me and my bowling buddies. And then I have the way that I handle my finances and the way that I handle uh, my online presence. But but no, that Christian slice of the pie is like really big. No, no, no. Your life in Christ is the entire pie. And everything else is, is just slivers that God has gifted you that you might put his glory on display more and more. I've shared this in, in part. I'll, I'll share it again in length. I, I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, it's from the 16th century. I wasn't there. <laughs> okay? There's this guy. His name is Ivan the Terrible. I don't think he was that great. Right? He he was uh, one of the Tsars of 16th century Russia, if that means anything to you. All right? Um, and, and so he's best known for his erratic behavior and his brutality. Right? I, that's... Either he was, either his parents knew what he would become when they named him Ivan the Terrible, or that name came in response to who he was. So he was too busy taking over uh, foreign lands and all kinds of stuff to find a wife, and so they thought it best that he would find a wife. And so, uh, long story here, but but as the story goes, he he makes a list. I think maybe he like played mash or something to like determine who his wife should be. But, but whatever he did, that was just for some of you. Some of you are like, what is that? Right, look it up. It's fine. Uh, anyway, so here's the list of, of what I want. And so they go out and they find a woman. And they say, we, we think we found her. Her family has some conditions. It's political. You know how all that stuff works. It's political. And her, and her family, the conditions were this, that you be baptized and that you join the church. Okay, uh, just to name, like <laughs> or or your heart. And so, if he's doing that just to get a wife, that's not a good reason to be baptized and join a church, right? But if your heart has been transformed, then we 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 get baptized to to express outwardly what God has done inside of us. So so he he uh, so he does that. But then he he has this tight group of five hundred soldiers that are hanging with him, and so he's going to be baptized, and they think this would be a great idea. We want to be baptized as well. Well, the only condition was for them that, that, they, would, um, that they would kind of uh, agree to the articles of the Orthodox Church. One of those were that they could not be professional soldiers. So how do we do this? We want to be baptized. They made a big deal of it, whatever. And as the story goes, true or not, they had you know, 500 priests and, and all these men, soldiers coming in and, and they, were, they were baptized in the lake at, at once, but they held their swords out of the water because they wanted to baptize themselves before the Lord, but that part of them they would not give up. As one says, those who witnessed the mass baptism said that it was an amazing spectacle to see 500 soldiers Baptized, 500 dry arms and 500 shining swords sticking up out of the water. It is God's will that every fiber of us be submerged. That it be laid to rest. And that when we come out on the other side of faith that saves us, that every part of us is sanctified and dedicated and instructed by the will of God. And this isn't in spite of the gospel, but it is because of the gospel that Jesus laid down his life. We get to follow him in that, that Jesus was raised to life, and he invites us to follow the ruling and reigning and we get to be his people here and now lighthouses shining to the darkness around us until he comes and calls us home what we get to do is we get to live now in a way that that walks in the will of God for us so as a reflection right what have you not fully submerged and set apart for God's glory selfish with your time with your money this pride well up in you with with your relationships and and here's the thing the way that we live this thing out the way that we walk with jesus it's not just a list of rules like you might be like i just want a list of rules and i'll tell you this the people who just want a list of rules so that they might be obedient to god and to his kingdom they are the people who jesus fought with on every single page of the new testament They were the Pharisees and they just wanted to keep all the rules and their hearts were far from him. And he said, you look great on the outside, but your hearts, they rot and they stink. See, this life in him is not about a bunch of rules. It's about about a new heart that transforms the way that we live and the way that we love, the way that we love God, that we love those around us. So uh, the second thing, and, and here's the thing. Paul presses into a few of these areas, right? We said that the will of God instructs how we walk, and then Paul, he, 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 gets, he narrows it down. And this is, this is what he says. The second part, the will of God instructs how we use our bodies. We don't get to leave body parts out of the water, so to speak, that are not set apart, that are not submerged for God's Glory by God's good design according to his good will. So, what he says, and we'll get to the text in a second, he says, abstain from sexual immorality. Grow in living for God's glory more and more, and abstain from sexual immorality. I want to define some terms real quick, right? Sexual immorality, sex sexual acts, sexual thoughts, seeking or viewing sex apart from God's design for marriage. That's sexual immorality. What's God's design for marriage? That one man, that one woman would commit themselves to one another by God's glory and for His glory so long as they live on this earth. According to the scriptures. So, in the Bible, there are several categories for what this plays out like. And there are even more than I'll share here. But, but, but fornication, which is uh, sex outside of marriage. Adultery, sex with another person outside of your marriage or outside of their marriage. Not, it's not good, right? That's not the design. Polygamy, this is being involved with more than one Person, committing your lives to more than one, one, more than one person. Rape, forced sexual acts. Incest, sexual acts with close family. Homosexuality, sexual acts with the same sex that you are. Prostitution, pay to play. Sexual immorality, which is the word that Paul uses here, it's kind of catch-all. And, and the word, you, you may have heard, that, like, porneia, it, it's the root word for, for porn or pornography. And it's, uh, it's, it's using your body or your mind for, for sexual gratification outside of God's good design. And you might say, well, gosh, I'm glad that I am whew, I'm good in this area because I've not done those things. And, and I, I would just remind you what Jesus says. He, he says, uh, don't murder. And people said, phew, gosh, I've never killed anyone. And he said, well, you know, if you hate your brother, you're a murderer. And people said, ah, dang. And so he said, don't commit adultery. And people said, well, phew, I'm good there. I've never done that. And he said, well, you know, if you... If you lost in your heart or your mind about a man or a woman, then you've committed adultery. We get to read, and we get to understand, not from a place of, 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 of uh, ivory tower um, righteousness, but we get to find ourselves in the fray of these things. So so this guy named Mark Howe, he, he wrote uh, Christ-centered, exposition commentary on First Thessalonians. And just so you know, the way that this thing comes together week in and week out is, is digging into the Word and, and figuring out what's there and kicking it around and we talk about it and staff meeting on Monday and talk about it with other people, but, but really studying, study Bible stuff and, and kind of getting a handle on what's here. And then by the end of the week, I'm looking at commentaries and making sure that that what I'm saying is not, you know, uh, heretical, and, and we even, our community group leaders, we give them commentaries so that they might not just uh, say the things that Michael says on Sunday, except for throughout the week, but they might know the word and they might dig in on their own. That's, that's how we do this together, but, but I want to steal a, a bit from, from Mark Howe and his commentary. He talks about this, this movie, City Slickers. City Slickers is a 91-hit a comedy where three middle-aged Men, my daughter looked that up yesterday, it's 35 years old, middle-aged, right? Um, middle-aged men, uh, 35 years old. And in an attempt to find themselves, they set off on a cattle drive across the west. What could go wrong? They, they meet this seasoned cowboy named Curly, he's like the sage, you know, to help guide them. And in one powerful scene, Mitch, Billy Crystal, for those of you who know that is, He chats with Curly, and he tells him how complicated and confusing his life has become. Curly looks Mitch straight in the eyes, and he says this. You city slickers are all alike. You spend 50 weeks of of the year putting knots in your rope. You expect to come out here, and in two weeks, get them all out. The, The truth here is is that the easiest way to, to get knots out of a robe is to avoid getting knots in the rope, and, and he says, well, that might seem obvious, but consider how people, if, if given the chance to live life over again, man, consider how often they would make some very different choices. And one of Satan's most effective methods for destroying lives and relationships is sexual sin. And again, he he goes on. This world is sex-saturated. There is opportunity every single day to fall victim to a wandering heart, to wandering eyes, to wandering hands in this sexual Culture. It's no accident that, that the pornography industry is a $50 billion dollar sex sales and a lot of people are buying it. So, so you might say, well, okay, that's true for us and we can see that, but, but why would he be telling them? It's because the human heart is kind of the same from beginning to end. And it can show up in different ways and different perversions of God's design, but But the same things that are true for us today, this is a universal spiritual truth. It's true for us today. It was true for them as Paul wrote to them. So so he says, from prostitution on the streets to prostitution in the temples, which were part of some pagan stuff, messed up stuff, if you wanted sex in Thessalonica, you could have it. And from websites, hookup apps, to the culture of non-committal relationships, if you want sex on your street, you can have it as well. Heath Lambert says this. Pornography has chewed them up and spit them out. At the beginning of the journey, watching people commit acts of sexual immorality seemed fun, intriguing, comforting, and even exhilarating. Now, the sin has bitten back. Their hearts are weighed down with guilt. Their relationships are strained. Their view of sex is corrupted, and their Christian witness is marred. And the reality is, I know that in this room, we are are they. Paul knows what's on the line. He knows what culture wars wage within and without. He encourages and he charges them to guard their hearts, to guard their minds, to guard their lives, to guard their bodies, the bodies of their neighbors, for their good and for God's glory. So he says in verse 3, abstain from sexual immorality. And then he goes on, he says, control your own body and holiness. Your body is set apart for God's glory. It's not about the rules. It's not about how long are my shorts. It's not about how long are the straps on my tank top. It's about using what God has given us to put his glory on display. And, and then he goes on, he says, not in passionate lust like the Gentiles who don't know God. So he contrasts the way we walk with Jesus and the way those around them walk with Jesus. There was a contrast then, there's a contrast now. This is, this is true. And, and, and the world will define how we ought to use our bodies you don't have to look far classmate coworker television walk into a department store all kinds of opportunity for you to feel guilt and shame or for you to project something that God never never intended for us to project with our bodies with the bodies that he has given us For his glory. But what we get to do is we get to let this shape the way that we live. Be weirdsmobiles. But when you walk with Jesus, your life will look different than people who don't walk with Jesus because they have a different king and they live in a different kingdom. He goes on, he says, Let no one transgress or let no one Sin and wrong his brother in this matter. So he's going further. He's saying, look, sexual sin is not just a you and God thing, but invites others into this. That that you invite others. uh, One says, sexual sin is, is, I don't care if I sin against you and I don't care if another sins against you either. And so, So when we do that, we we are bringing bringing others into this. And it says, don't do that because the Lord is the first avenger. Because the Lord is the avenger. You will make yourself an enemy of God. You haven't been saved to walk as the old man, but to live as the new man. And, And so what Paul says, he says, you no longer aim to please man, yourself or anyone else. But you get to be free to walk in a way that pleases the Lord with everything that God has given you, including your body and your sexuality. Some have knots in your rope. I think in, in many ways we, we all have knots in our rope. And, and no matter what you have done in the past, you have the opportunity to live new today, to shift from man-pleasing to God's glory, to turn from hurting others to helping heal others, to flee sin and hate it, as John Owen says, and be killing sin lest it be killing you. ...of the flesh and pursuing hard after the passions of a new heart and a life set on Christ. The will of God instructs how we use... Our bodies. And lastly, the will of God instructs how we love others. I'll read this verses 9 through 12. For what? Wrong chapter. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. He's already talked. You've so lived your life before them and so proclaimed Jesus that we don't even have to say anything to the people in Macedonia. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and, and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent upon no one. He says, you have put love on display. You need no teacher to lecture you about how to love others. Only this, that your love grow more and more. And not only for one another but for those outsiders, for for your neighbors who who are not in the family of God. And and so he says, continue on progressively increasing in love. And then he gives some really specific examples that that we get to to bear today. He he, he says, "So, so how is that love put on display? Well, in context, he says, aspire to live quietly. Remember why Paul didn't get to stay with the Thessalonians longer? because he preached the gospel, and then the gospel flipped cities on their heads, and, it, and as as outsiders said, it's it's turning the world upside down, and now they've come here. Riots follow wherever the gospel advances, and what Paul's saying is, look, like we have Gosh, we're in Christ and and all these things, but as it relates to your neighbor, bro, you have a lot going against you. And and what we get to do is we get to let that be the reason for fights, right? And so what we see, we see in Acts, like someone that, that made idols, like literally, like they forged idols and sold them, like at the family Christian bookstore, right? Things that people might worship. Saints of old, or, or literally false gods, Roman, Greek. You buy them and then you would worship them at par- in parts of your home. These people who are making idols, that come to trust Jesus. It, it, it undoes the industry and people don't like it. That's what happens. And, and whether it's por- pornography or anything else, that's what the gospel does. And so live quietly. If, if riots break out because the, the kingdom is being uh, manifest in your town, by all means, but, but don't let it be because you're just spouting off on Twitter. Live quietly. Look, it's, it's post-election week. Kind of a big deal. If you, if you ever do this on your phone and read what other humans are saying the world's on fire all of it so so man to take paul's timely words live quietly among your neighbors does that mean that you don't get to engage in dialogue and have no it just mean do not our hope our hope is not in leaders on the world stage. You know that, right? And, and many have come along in the past that have been better, and many have come along in the past that, that have been worse, that, that will be better, that will be worse. And you know what? The church stands. You hear me? Do you hear what I'm not saying? The church stands. To, to God be the glory. And, and look, we, we better not be more concerned with what flag flies above our head than we are for, look, literally in the way that we live our lives. No, no matter what the flag that flies above our head in this tiny sliver of a country that in the scheme of humanity has existed for literally no amount of time. Or, or, or who, what man, woman lives in the big represent, like the church stands, you know that. So what we get to do is we get to live quietly. And, and, and he goes on, mind your own affairs. Okay. Don't get caught up in the enticement of, of drama and all the things. Like, isn't that crazy? For all the boldness talk and all this, let the gospel, you know, tear down the world around us for God's glory. But, you, but as for you, I want you to grow more and more in the way you love one another and your appeal to outsiders. And then he says, work hard with your hands. Go about your work and, and work well. If you work at a restaurant, dude, make the best dang chicken sandwich anyone's ever seen. That's your Christian duty. If you lead governments, lead them in the way that reflects God's glory. If you teach kids, teach them, care for them, love them. If your job is to make people healthier, you know what your Christian duty is? It's to make people as healthy as you can make them. Work hard with, with your hands. Be a good worker. Be, a good, be, be the best worker. Be the best student. Be the best lab partner. We have no right to walk in Christ and let someone else bear our burden in this life. And what he says further, he's saying, do the things that God, that, that, that God has given you as a way to put God's glory on display. Love your neighbor, advance good. Here's the thing: whether it's in your your home, or whatever it is that you get up and you go to every day of your life. Look for ways to serve more. And hear me, look for ways to demand less. That's what we get to do. The background, Paul had already instructed them regarding Christ's return. Next week, uh, Pastor Scott's going to preach on this next the, kind of the anchor text of this whole letter and it, and it talks about christ's return but but the idea is in in the name of hopeful expectation and in spite of of love for one another, they were susceptible to foregoing love for their neighbor because they were living for later. Oh gosh, Christ is going to return I have saving faith and assurance that he has saved me, that he invites me to live with God forever. So I just get to kind of lay low. I'll go to work, but I'm just passing time. You are not just passing time. You are living now with future hope. The future hope that we know is true changes the way that we live and love now. Now. People ask me all the time, man, I I really want to be faithful. Like, how can I serve God? And what I say is, is, what do you have going on tomorrow? Well, you know, I have class at whatever. Class. Try your hardest. Don't be late on your assignments. If you're supposed to serve on a team here, show up. Don't be late. (laughs) Go about your day. Be be faithful in what God has given you. Right? And, And when we do that, We get to be more of a blessing to those around us than a burden. That's what he's saying. Be more of a blessing than a burden to those around us. And it will change the way that you use your your body, your sexuality, your work and mission with your friends, neighbors, coworkers, all the things. I'll close with this. Finally. I got a phone call this week and it was from someone that's a member of the village and and she said "I, I, I just want to run something by you. I I have this neighbor, and she has several kids, and I'm always interacting with them, and you know, and and I have a friendship with her. And I was hanging out in the driveway, and her kids are coming up, and we're playing together, and whatever, and 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 we're talking, and and she claims to be a Christian. And um, but she says she doesn't need the Bible, she doesn't read her Bible, she doesn't need to know what it says, and she doesn't need to be a part of the church. And she's like, I'm just struggling like I don't know what to do I don't know what to say to her and 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 first of all in in light of this text today that's not really a category that we get to walk in so if you find yourself in that category saying like I I love God but I just don't love his church that's not a category right it's like saying I I love someone's face but I don't love their body and so I'm not going to have an interaction with them we're we're the body of Christ and so that's not a category but, but really what we ended up saying was, look, there, there's no promise that this person is going to submit her life in fullness, right? To be transformed, to, to have, have a thirst for God's word, to, to be around God's people. But like what, keep sitting in the driveway, keep loving on her kids, keep being, being willing to engage with her, go to work, do what you do, all right? When you have opportunity, love her well. It's kind of the thing to grow more and more in God's glory, to put his love on display, to live a life that increases God's glory in our life. Do what you do with the desire to put God's glory on display. And, and here's the encouragement in, in Colossians 3.9. Seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is, and this is my hope, day and day out, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator the bank can come on up the reason why this is so encouraging is because our sanctification is a progress it's it is a work in progress and what this tells us is that God is at work in us and we are being renewed in knowledge after him, the image of our creator. The way we walk with Jesus should should please God more and more by the way we live and by the way we love. And, and the way that we do that is to stare at the face of grace and glory. Would you join me in doing that? We get to... Uh, reflect repent and respond we get to ask questions that that challenge us to grow you can sit right where you are you can stand up and and sing with the band as they lead us you can pray over there at that prayer bench there'll be a few people over by that red tree that would love to pray with you and we get to for those who are in Christ we get to respond by taking communion and what this is it's we get to remember and declare that that Christ has spilled his blood and has broken his body on our behalf would you join me in prayer god thank you for the gift of these people for the gift of your word would you show us how to grow more and more in in your likeness would you undo us would you do work in us god we need you for your glory and our joy in jesus name